Hi there, and welcome to episode 8 of The Light Experiments. I had suggested that we have a chat about death simply because it's something that several people close to me are dealing with at the moment. And I had not expected Amy to tell me as we sat down to chat that she'd had a very close call with it herself the day before. I mean, as always, there's no line between our private conversation and the recording, so her recount of the incident quickly became the beginning of this episode. It means that we jump into the topic way faster than we might have done otherwise, and it gets pretty far out pretty quickly, but this discussion ends up covering an enormous amount of personal ground regarding loss and love and the never-ending nature of life. We hope it offers something interesting and perhaps even comforting to you. And we're so grateful to have you join us. Enjoy. I had a very shocking near miss on the road. What? Yeah, very shocking. And honestly, it was as though Archangel Michael just reached his hand down and nudged the other car out of the way because... I and the other driver have no idea how he missed me. It was honestly miraculous. I drove into his pathway. I was completely in the wrong, 100% in the wrong. And I put my foot on the accelerator to turn right and did not see him coming at all. And so drove into the pathway of an oncoming four-wheel drive, probably going 50 k's an hour down the hill, and he... I slammed on my brakes because I heard the the screech of his tyres. And so I slammed on my brakes and looked up and he was honestly there, like so fucking close and missed me. I I just don't know how. And even he said that. He was like, because I was then like tears pouring down my face, like I am so fucking sorry. I, I don't. I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. You're amazing, amazing driving. Thank you for missing me. I don't know how. And he was just like, I thought I was just going to plow through your car. I don't know how I did that. Amy, that is really, really massive. It was so massive. It was so scary. Because that's not just a it doesn't sound like just a near miss to me. <laughs> What's interesting is that we had talked about what, today's conversation could be about and I said um, maybe we could try talking about death (laughs) which doesn't sound very pleasant but I do I am curious about what where we might go with a conversation about it and uh, this morning before we talked I was just thinking about my experience of death and dying and and you know what I kept thinking about you and I have both read and discussed Home with God by Neil Donald Walsh the same person who wrote Conversations with God and obviously a kind of a, um, a significant contribution to both of our journeys one of the uh, possibilities that is highlighted in the book 
through the communion between Neil Donald Walsh and God consciousness is that, first of all, um, to transition from a physical body and out in back into oneness is a choice, which is exactly what we were talking about last week, really. We were talking about it at the other end. <laughs> we were talking about how being born into a human form is a choice. And we discussed how, like, flabbergasting the experience of being born must be. It really dawned on me when I was listening to us discuss it that, yeah, you're coming from the oneness, realizing that you're about to believe that you are singular. That's the embodiment the arms, the legs, the skin, the face, the hair, the. And now, and now, seeing yourself as a, as an entity, as a me, as an I. From the we, from the us, from the all that is. That is so extraordinary, but it is a choice. I choose to experience that, <laughs> and that feels very. True, it's a choice, and there is so much value to be had, found, discovered, and experienced through singularity, through the delusion of separation, the illusion of separation. But until I read Home with God and that concept of free will, free choice being extended throughout eternity, which then means that death is a choice, I was like, oh, that's a massive game changer. If I just let that be possible for a moment, it kind of changes everything because it takes tragedy and it puts something else in it. The sovereignty of the soul is, uh, is present, is clear, and is in choice. <gasps> but that can be really confronting for those left behind who would choose it. Why would they choose all of that? Because we're looking at it very much from this singular point of view very lifetime, this lifetime oriented. But then God consciousness in this book takes it further again. Because we are here in a time, on a time-space continuum, there is distance, we are singular, there is a space between you and I, we think of it as geographical distance, that means that there is a time difference. Everything about our paradigm is integrated with time. And we believe, because it is apparent to us, <laughs> seemingly apparent, that things happen in chronological order. There is a beginning, there is an end. 
Mm. We, the archaeologists, we talked about this last time, the archaeologists throw their their tools into the ground and they and we find the evidence that something existed in the past, in the deep past, and we start to, and the continue that the timeline extends and we see where we are on the timeline and that's how it always it's very linear. And that is the only way, and of course it is the only way quite naturally that we can compute time. But then we also know through physics um, that time is actually not (laughs) what we think it is. So we've already kind of, we can make a little bit of space in our minds to, to play with the idea that you have to be here in this realm to experience time the way that we (laughs) experience it. And maybe there are very different ways of experiencing, say, no time outside of this dimension, let's call it. I know it's getting really wacky, really wild, really fast. But your experience yesterday is almost down to the detail. I'm sure one of the one of the examples that God consciousness gives in that book, Home with God, is the experience that you had yesterday. Now, whether it was or not, we can't know at this moment, but that book or that communion with God consciousness throws open the possibility that something did happen, but that you chose not to transition at that moment. The book offers the possibility that time can be jumped, can be bent bent it can be experienced in ways that we cannot fully Mm. appreciate and that Mm. in choosing not to transition back into the we into the home into the oneness that you are able to come back to the moment just before and to have the driver stop the vehicle just at that right time and in the book and this this has struck me that it struck me so strongly when I read the book the first time and it it chimes with me regularly you know in in since I've read it we've all had at least one moment I think in our lives where we really did feel like that was the moment that we came so close. Mm. Your experience yesterday simply highlights the mystery, the level of mystery that death or what we define as death actually is Mm. 
Yeah, it really does do that, doesn't it? Because when you started talking about this, I was like, oh, my goodness, you are so right. I hadn't thought about that. And the other thing was, you know, I found myself thinking, gosh, it's such a wake-up call, but I, I didn't realise I was asleep. Like that's the shocking part of it. You know, it's a it's a shock, it's a wake-up, but I thought I was awake. Mm-hmm. What did I need to wake up from? Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, the other sort another layer to this metaphysically is our car represents our vehicle for traveling through life. So whenever there's an accident, you have I have to, not everybody does, but I do. I have to think about, well, what's this, you know, what's the message in this? What's what's the metaphysical message? What's the communication that's trying to come through into consciousness? And having to do it through an incident mm. that gets your attention, mm. involving your car, so involving the way you move through life. Mm. And, I mean, I didn't have an accident because there was no impact, mm-hmm. physical impact. But, therefore, what is it trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. If someone, if 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 I'd run into a stationary vehicle, mm-hmm. then it's like slow down, mm-hmm. slow down, because you're mm-hmm. not looking where you're going. Mm-hmm. So slow down, take a look around, yeah, see where you're going. If someone had run into me, it's like, why are you stationary? Mm-hmm. Like, if someone had run into the back of me, you know, get like, going. Get moving. What's happening? Like, mm. why? You know those sorts of those sorts of messages. Those sorts of mm. a very nuanced, subtle, not subtle, because the accidents are not subtle. They need to get your attention because your attention is not being placed where it needs to be placed, according to life. Yeah, according to perhaps divine will. Referring back to last week, but in this instance, there was no impact. So I'm very fascinated by you bringing this up. Mm. I felt, I feel like you had some kind of portal experience, but in your body, in your physical experience, it felt like an impossible near miss. The fact that there was no impact feels like the key here. Mm. The fact that you spoke to the driver as well, because I think sometimes we have, we actually have near misses and we just keep, we, we all just, and th- then you just keep driving mm. and you, you, ne- you never have an, uh, an interaction. But the fact mm. that you were sobbing, that you, you felt something very strongly had just been thwarted, something had just, a door, a sliding door had somehow. Yeah, I said I said yesterday in my conversation with someone, it was a, it felt like a sliding I door moment. moment. It it really did. And Amy, not just for you, but for him as well. Yeah. And did not neither of you had passengers in the car? No. Oh my god. 
because he there was something in that for him that was not uh, there was something happening there for him too Mm, yeah and for him to say I don't know how I missed you I I, he'll be thinking he'll be wondering that's a little wake-up moment that's not a little wake-up moment that's that's a major wake-up moment which I guess brings us <laughs> to an aspect of death and dying, which I can't get away from, which feels really strange talking about because the last thing in the world I ever want to sound is insensitive Mm. to grief um and i think that's what's that's what makes talking about death and dying in ways that maybe veer away from the collective agreement around death and dying is incredibly difficult yeah. Because what yeah. you never want to do is minimize, diminish, or in any way disrespect what someone is going through regarding that. But, and it doesn't, it's not, I don't relish saying this out loud, but it is the truth for me. I wonder if there is a gift that is being offered to us by those who leave us, which I know can sound inhumane. I think, can I offer you something here that might um, assist with just cradling this topic or this talking about this in in the way that I can feel you would like to please I think it's it's sufficient and satisfactory to declare uh, how deeply you know this is a sensitive experience for people and how empathetic you are to that experience Mm. Grief is a real thing. Loss is real and tragedy is felt. There Mm -hmm. is no, nobody here in this conversation is trying to, as you say, minimise or diminish or take any of that away because it is all a, a real and true aspect of the human experience that we have here when we lose a loved one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't ripple. It tsunamis through mm-hmm. our life. Mm-hmm. And um, we have felt it mm-hmm. directly in our own lives and um, and we know. We know aspects of it, not all of it, mm-hmm. but aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone is entitled to their grief. Mm-hmm to their loss Mm. and to how they feel in that. In saying that, there is suffering that 
is perhaps rooted in misunderstanding. Yeah. Not to say that what we have formed as our understanding, because it's somewhat aligned, quite aligned, not to say that that is the truth for everyone because it's not. Your truth is your truth and hers is hers and his is his and theirs is theirs. You make up your own truth and that is what's true for you. Hand on my heart, feet on the ground, absolutely believe that and stand by that. But what it has done for me, which is the only place I can speak from, my own experience, informing and informing my truth is to relieve some of the suffering. Mm. The grief is still there. The sense of loss remains or, or is I need to move through that. I need to process that. I need to be in the depth of that emotion. But I no longer need to suffer over the suffering. Does that mm. make sense? Beautiful. And I, th- I feel like that's what the God consciousness is saying also in, in that book, In Home with God. You don't need to suffer over this thing that you call death. Yeah. Because your perception of it is what's causing the suffering. Yeah. So can we present or offer mm-hmm. an uh, a, a another perception, another facet to this, another way of looking at it that may for you um, alleviate, soften, lift, relieve a little bit of the suffering. Amen. Exactly, exactly, exactly what I would say. So having said all of that, can we, do you feel like we can now discuss it? Love it. Freely. Like it, yeah, freely and from a place of um, curiosity. Love that. Love it. Totally freeze it up. Um, my number one thing that I have learned since uh, losing a family member of mine uh, in 2016, and that's another story that perhaps we can touch on because it actually blends both of our stories a little bit, um, is that I? it wasn't until she passed away that I really came to understand that there is just life, life, and more life. I didn't fully grasp I couldn't fully grasp that until I was offered a gift by a loved one in her passing that I received really, really gratefully in deep thanks. Um, I believe, like, that's what she wanted for me I don't know about her you know all the others who have been affected by her passing I can only speak for me but um far from her passing being futile and um wasteful 
which I know it can be seen as that because she was so young, she was 14, I feel like her life was the most incredible gift and her passing was the most extraordinary gift. But it was wrapped in tragedy. So how to how to untie the tragedy from the box? <laughs> and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's a possibility for everybody or I don't know how exactly how that works. I was I was really ready. I was already a bit I was already crumbling at the time. So maybe the timing was just somehow different for me, but also critically she was my niece and not my daughter. You know? I had some space. She was my beloved. She was our total beloved. She was our light. All of us felt that very strongly. But maybe it was because I just had a little bit of space that I didn't, I could, I could, I could lean in, that I wasn't suffocated entirely. By it. I can't separate my my biggest blessing. I have many, (laughs) many, 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 but I do feel like my greatest blessing in this lifetime was my awakening to a different way of being, to a different way of perceiving this world. I cannot separate my greatest blessing from my family's greatest loss. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry. And don't you think that's extraordinary? I don't know who I would be or what I would be really without her offering that ultimate, that ultimate kind of gift. And the gift was and the gift is here is something else. Here is something more. I'm offering you the opportunity to see beyond what you can see. And we talk in flowery language because it helps. But I do, I did say, you know, the day that Ruby regained her wings, I feel like she wafted past me and woke me up with them. She brushed me with the, with those big, beautiful wings. And I was like, ah, I thought I was already awake. Mm. Um, and she has been a part of my 
a very deep and abiding part of my journey since then too. Really beautiful telling of that story. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, thank you. You were a big part of that story. I mean, do we tell that story? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's up to you. It's, it's, um, it's yours and hers, but I will never, ever, ever forget the feeling of her presence. And I think that's what I want to share, Amy, because what I, and the tip of my head is tingling like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> mine, mine, mine too. Really? Yeah. I guess in sharing the story of how Ruby transcended my experience and became an interesting part of your own gives any somebody listening perhaps the chance to reframe or reimagine what is actually happening when someone disappears from view yeah and i think that might be one of the most crippling aspects of of grief and my dearest friend just said that to me the other day she said i just it I, I i'm so out of my body with it all like the fact that i can't pick up the phone like she's she's just she's gone like she's physically not here and i can't process that and it really is deeply crippling to think that you're not physically going to be with them in space and time in this lifetime again but perhaps this story is an interesting way of um, offering something else, something different, something new, something more, and maybe it's an extension of Ruby's gift in general. <laughs> but for anybody listening, <laughs> hello. <laughs> um. Even if there isn't anyone. Exactly. I love, I, this, I yeah. This, me too. Me yeah. too. Um, I wonder if it was Ruby that brought Amy and I together in the first place. We were already perfectly placed to meet, but we hadn't yet really. Both our daughters attended the same kindergarten um, and we'd seen each other but never spoken and Ruby passed away and a couple of weeks later you came to me and said, would you like to organise a play date? And we met and I was I was thinking about this the other day I don't think I don't even know if you and I would have discussed Ruby that day at the park if it weren't for another mother who was there with her child who said I heard you lost your niece or she brought it up yeah because your daughter had said to her child oh 
or to her, she was standing there with the kids and your daughter had said, because wasn't um, the, the association butterflies? Dragonflies, butterflies, rainbows. Mm-hmm. It, there was something that your daughter saw. She said, that's my cousin. And so that's how the mum oh, up on it. I didn't hear oh, that. What do you mean? And so then oh my God. came over and then came over to us because I remember her coming over to us and her saying that. Yeah. And that's how it that's how it, it came, came up. up in conversation. And a few minutes later, or several minutes later, I had one of the most extraordinary and bizarre experiences of my life. It was only a minute moment. Um, but for me, it was like I'll never, I will never forget this moment of you telling me that you were a Reiki therapist. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what that is. Sound, I think it's a bit like kinesiology. And we had a roundabout conversation about it, but I just never wasn't inclined at all to try it myself. I remember thinking it sounds like something that people who wear lots of beads do. And I just didn't yeah. own enough beads is my point. I just didn't <laughs> feel like I was <laughs> beady enough. <laughs> I was like, it's oh, just, that's, that's awesome. but, I lo- but I love that and all good. And I had <laughs> this crazy ass experience of feeling these words leave my mouth that I had not sanctioned in my brain at all. They did not belong to me. I had never thought them. I had never wanted to speak them. Like it was, it was like, it was like I had suddenly burped, like out of nowhere. <laughs> like a surprise burp. And I was like, oh, and I said, I've covered my mouth. I'm like, like, that was the strangest thing. These words came out of my mouth. I don't suppose you could see me tomorrow. And I was like, but. And, and I, you started looking at your phone on your calendar and I was like, oh, my God, this is so awkward. Like, do I, do I go, oh, sorry, I just burped. I, I just burped that out. Like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean that. Or do I just, like, keep going with this moment and just pretend like I said those words because, oh, I actually did say those words, but they're not my words. This is the strangest thing. I was, like, so confused in that moment. And you said, yeah, actually, I do have an appointment tomorrow at like one o'clock. And I was like, oh my God, it looks like I'm doing Reiki. We <laughs> <laughs> have to go and find all my beads. Maybe I've got some cheesecloth or something that I can wear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to Google it. I never did. Didn't Google it. Just didn't have time. Wasn't even thinking about it. Turned up the next day. And um, you m- mentioned Ruby, as we sat and spoke, and it was like someone had unlocked something in me. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that session, probably not as clearly as I do. My God, it was, oh, my God, it was so long ago now, 2016. And Ruby had only been gone by this stage a matter of weeks. Um, but, wow, she was 100% present there. She was so present. I remember that. And I remember 
I guess, um, feeling very vulnerable and very aware of how vulnerable you potentially were or likely were, Mm -hmm. given that her passing was so recent. Mm -hmm. And, but (laughs) I mean, the synchronicity, the, 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 the perfection, the poetry and all of this was that Ruby was so immense that there was just no, um, from my experience, from where I was standing, there was no denying her. She came into that room, into that space with such an... uh, I don't even, there aren't really even any words, but I have to try because we were the only ones physically there. But as much as I wanted to ignore or pretend that she wasn't there or that this wasn't what was being asked of me at the time mm. or that I wasn't to be the one, mm. she, she, she didn't even have to insist, Liz. Mm because her presence was so commanding in such a soft way. It wasn't commanding in an in a overpowering way. It just was, I am. Oh I am here. And n- now you speak. It was like that. It was like, now, now you speak. Now you speak. And I don't remember what she said to you. I can just remember the the feeling of it, mm. the sense of it, which was um, very emotional, of course, for the both of us. It was. But um, just it was such an offering, such a gift of reassurance. Yeah. And... Um, Almost my feeling is almost a statement and that I am actually rings really true because I remember at the time um, feeling how sure she was, how knowing, how Mm. wise and insightful and higher being type presence she had. Mm-hmm. It was like she knew everything, all of it. It was all done with choice. And she was coming now to share that with you. And there was, I had no choice in that. Uh, you know, as much as the, the Amy would have wished that I didn't have to be as uncomfortable as I was in going into this space, arena, terrain that I was not really that familiar with at the time and certainly not with you. I knew I knew you from the day before. Seriously. But there was just no, um, there was just no option but to allow it. 
And so I'm realising now as we're speaking the incredible, like, spiralling nature of, of this story and Ruby in it. Um, yeah. Very, very, very significant. And interestingly, she then uh, visited with me in one of my own Reiki sessions. Yeah, and helped with um, uh, someone beloved and and helped them to the light, helped them access light that they had not previously had access to. And, you know, I just... I'm just incredibly in deep thanks to her for that and for that whole experience. And she also was instrumental in opening my eyes to aspects of life Mm -hmm. after this life. Mm Mm-hmm. Same. When you told me, um, it was probably only the next time I saw you for Reiki, um, that you had had an experience all your own of Ruby in your own Reiki session, as in the one on the table receiving Reiki energy. Um, when you told me the story that Ruby had entered the space and had offered someone that you have so dearly loved and had lost, who was searching for a way beyond what he knew of life, <laughs> that was an incredible gift for me as well because I think when we lose someone it is obviously so personal um, because we have our own experiences with that individual and they make up a part of our story and who we are and all that sort of thing but when uh, Ruby entered the space of my first Reiki session And I had such a physical experience of that. Well, I was disarmed because a physical experience is something that you can't explain away. Um, I was completely and utterly taken over physically. I remember at the end of that first session, you had to bring me, um, what, what are the drops that you give people when they're? when they're really rescue remedy rescue remedy because I was shaking as though I'd just been in an accident my teeth were chattering I couldn't stop myself like it was I'd had such a massive physical experience so I was already broken open by that one thing but the second time I saw you and you explained to me that in the time between that you'd had your own experience with Ruby it took this Ruby, 
this notion of Ruby and it expanded her beyond the girl I knew. Obviously, that had already happened to a point as I'd been lying on the Reiki bed in the session previously and I'd felt this incredible light, energy, enter me and it was just the most extraordinary experience. So I understood then that Ruby was not a girl, that Ruby was something more. And so therefore we must all be. I I was already doing some maths around it. But when you told me your story and I realized Ruby's role now in her new experience of life, which I'm sure has already morphed into another experience of life and so on and so on and so on. At that moment, she was lit up. She was um, delighted to be of service to anyone that she could lift. And knowing that she was doing that beyond our little family (laughs) who were crying for her Mm. and wailing for her and dreaming of her and all of that stuff, well, then my idea of life itself broke open Mm. because what is true for Ruby is true. Full stop. So I started to reconsider who and what we all are. Our perceived separation from each other, from spirit, from so called heaven, it is there. We are here. I am here. You are there. This is life, and that is not, is warping our perception of the beauty, the expansiveness, the the very real love that exists through all of it and is all of it and cannot be extracted from any of it. It's us layering and layering and layering over and reducing it to a here, there kind of situation. And when that starts to dissolve a little bit and you can and you open to the possibility that there is no such thing as death in as much as energy never dies. It cannot be destroyed. It doesn't disappear. It transforms. It travels. It moves. It flows into spaces and in and out and when that becomes a little more possible, then I think some of the, the finite walls that we have around a lifetime and the people that we love in that lifetime 
begin to soften somewhat. I mean, dare I say that part of my growing reverence for the cycles of life has been born out of a recognition of there being more than one shot at physical existence or experience. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm talking about what, what is termed as reincarnation or, I don't know, there's probably lots of other names for it, but it, it contextualizes this one experience a lot more. Now, I, it feels so true for me that a soul is like with tendrils reaching into physical realms to have experiences, to soak it all in, to have it all, to be it all. And I guess that lines up with the notion that my consciousness is not mine. It is the oneness <laughs> kind of reaching into this physical experience through me, what feels like me. <laughs> but when I allow myself to expand beyond my idea of me and take in what is around me and what is my experience of being here now through, I guess, the eyes of all that is, first of all, I think that's what they call presence because there's nowhere else you can be. But second of all, deconstructs. The, the little lies mm. that, that, you know, when someone leaves, when they transition, that we will never experience them again, that we've never experienced them before, that this was our one shot at loving them at touching them, it dissolves the sense of um, injustice. And maybe when you do lean into life being eternal and ever-changing and multifaceted and multidimensional and just rich in possibility, doesn't that make life more meaningful in general? That's not to say that you don't allow every inch of the pain and the grief to rise. Grief is not unnatural. No emotion is unnatural actually. Nothing about the human body is unnatural and emotions are inherent to it. They are perfect. They want to be born. They want to live. They want to flow. There has got to be some beauty in that. There has got to be some healing, some gift in that that is trying to make us more whole. 
more holy. Again, is that not part of the gift that is being offered to you by the one you loved? Here are your feelings, my darling. Here it is in its most intense, in its most unthinkable. So don't think, just feel. And if you stay in your body and if you stay here with it, I will just keep offering you gift after gift after gift because you asked to be made more whole. You just want to be more of who and what you really are. And the best way that I can do that is to offer you more and more and more. Really beautiful. Really beautiful. It's, it's you know, like everything else in life, our individual experience of it, I believe, is determined by how we see it. And so true. If we can see it in that way that you've just offered, we can we can eat from that table. You know, we can drink from that cup wow. if that's how we see it. And that's where the choice is with us who we who remain here in the earthly experience. Mm. The choice is will I, will I allow myself to drink from a cup of hope and expansiveness and liberation and love or will I keep drinking from the cup of loss and suffering and punishment and story where yeah. the story is, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just like with the rest of life, there's no right or wrong choice. There's just a choice. And it will lead a certain way. It will yeah. take us down a pathway. It will generate experiences and that's okay. There's no judgment. It's all an offering. It's all offered. It's all on the table, isn't it? I love that. For me, I think that's one of the things that underpins my belief in in all of life is that my choices never end. Yes. And. Yes. Yeah, right. And and when I transition. Well, then I even have more choice. Well, do I? Is it an illusion that I have more choice there than I do here? There, here, it's all one. So I, I, I just feel like we have the opportunity to continue choosing and that there is an interplay that continues between us once we've transitioned yes and the people that were beloved to us in life 
who remain. That the relationship doesn't end and exactly. it's not one way, it's not one-sided. What Ruby has gifted you has gifted her in return. I love that. And, I mean, in my, my experiences here with in communion with um, souls that have transitioned, it's been very much about what is the human element here that can really help? What is the... Mm. What is the human bit that we can gift you that will allow you to make your next choice, that will open up the possibilities in front of you? And I guess for me that gives me experiential evidence that there is no separation. That we are still so linked here and there. I have to use that term because that's fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the contextual term, right? But yeah, yeah, they're really big. Really, it's it's a really really big idea to introduce to one's belief system or paradigm of living because it really does. Form that if I consider where this sits for me, it it does form the whole framework that I live my life within, um, and and it does that for other people too, even if they're not considering it. Because if you're not considering is their life after death in inverted commas then that inform, that forms the framework for how you live life here. You know, there is mm-hmm. a sense of disregard perhaps for what happens or even a fear and, and there is no um, escaping that informing how life is lived. My life is so much richer. Mm. Mm. With, with the inclusion of that aspect. Yeah. Same. Same. Mm. There's a reverence, as you say, there's a reverence for all of it that I wasn't in contact with prior to... There's life before Ruby passing and there's life after Ruby passing because it was just that much of a paradigm shift and life was fun and great and it was I was doing all the things and tick, 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 all good. But now... There's a blending, there's a merging. Um, I find it beautiful as you were talking before when you were saying about how, you know, perception is reality and how you perceive that that, that aspect of 
the life experience can inform your very experience here on the ground and will inform your experience here on the ground. And I find that beautiful almost that it's like a thread from the so-called afterlife <laughs> and before life and through life and whatever, whatever it is that weaves into your daily life and out again. It's actually a, a living, breathing reality and it's like that on every level. Um, the word that kept coming up over and over and over again while you were talking is openness because I think when we're in pain and we're suffering, the impulse generally is to close and to protect ourselves with shields of armour in whatever form they may take. And I am so fortunate that for whatever reason, for whatever alignment of whatever stars there were when Ruby passed away, that I was attached to nothing but open to everything. And it's kind of how I've been really ever since to a certain extent. Um, and it's the state that I am most thankful for being able to live in because it's the state that seems to invite in the most powerful experiences of light and expansion and all of that. And as you were saying before, like the human, the human experience offers so much to spirit. Why would we exist if, we, if it didn't? <laughs> it's for the very purpose of, of expanding the whole, right? Beautiful symbiosis there. Um, so spirit has to be open too. And maybe there are varying frequencies of that. And that's where the choice comes in. And maybe like last week when we were talking about how um, inviting life in is actually an active choice, even though it, it appears passive on the outside, maybe openness is a choice, a very active choice, and it hurts to open if you fear more pain. So that really feels significant too is how do we, your classic question, which you ask your clients all the time, you know, how is life inviting you to soften a little more or to open a little more? And it sort of feels like what, what we end up talking about every time. <laughs> mm. Mm. But it seems to be a part of this conversation as well, which I wasn't really expecting, but it's, it's a beautiful thing beautiful babe yeah thanks thank, thank you, you.